hear me. А вы что, собираетесь на ней жениться? Да. Ух, красота-то какая. Лепота. Таможня дает добро. И вообще не называй меня, пожалуйста, Вероника. Кто я? Вот кто я? Отныне русские земля единый быть. Hello, my name's Ali, and this is the Rus Files Unite podcast, where we watch Russian films and films with a Russian connection. As always, I'm joined by a guest, and today my guest is Tegan. Hi, Tegan. Hi, thank you for having me. So, Tegan, could you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Um, so, I'm a research assistant within looking at um, robotics and automation. So, there's a fair amount of sci-fi in the work that I do. Um, and I've also been reading or immersed in sci-fi for as long as I can remember. Cool. And we're watching a, a sci-fi film today, so... That's kind of why, why Tegan is on the show for this one. Uh, Perfect. But yeah, we'll come back to that. Um, but before we get into that, I just wanted to talk about... I understand you've been to Russia, Tegan. I have, yes. We did a school trip um, and visited Moscow and St. Petersburg um, because we did... In my A-level year in high school, we did Russian history from the Romanovs all the way up until the 80s, so through the Cold War. Oh, wow. So kind of most of the 20th century. Mm, yeah. yeah. Good spread of Russian history. Oh, cool. I did history A-level as well, but didn't do Russia. So uh, yeah, big gaps in my knowledge as far as that's concerned. Um, so uh, what were you, what did you think? What, what was your experience like? Russia. I absolutely loved the architecture. I thought it was beautiful, particularly St. Petersburg. And then in Russia, going into the Kremlin... Um, and seeing just everything was gorgeous, and into the big churches. People I didn't find very friendly, and the food I didn't enjoy that much, but it was still a fantastic trip, and absolutely loved going. Cool. How long were you there for? I think, all told, we were there for maybe five or six days, so it was a whistle-stop tour of the two cities with an overnight train journey. In the middle, which was quite something. Yeah, um, you're not the first person who's done the, uh, we've had on here, who's done the Moscow to St. Petersburg or the other way around trip. And yeah, that that's always the thing. People say the train journey is quite an experience just because we don't really do overnight trains here so much. Yeah, no, and that that's exactly it. You don't really get the opportunity to do it. And it's also sleeping, I guess, on a moving train with 20, like, students like teenagers is quite something and i imagine our teachers must have despaired yeah. we were off in all directions we were all 17 to 18 but still yeah that's sort of the age where they'll trust you to go somewhere as far afield as that but it's still probably a bit of a 
a headache for, for all concerned until like yeah they can't really rest easy until they're back at Heathrow or, or, or you've handed them back to the parents and you're like we're good we got them back, back safe they didn't do anything too horrific yeah yeah um so what's what's like your abiding memory of the trip being in St. Petersburg and like traveling and seeing the architecture I'm a bit of a I like architecture and I like beautiful buildings, so being able to see all of them, and so radically different from the buildings that we see in the mm. UK or the buildings that I've seen on the travels that I've done with my parents. Yeah. Um, and going into the museums, although, again, I can't remember anything of the paintings I saw in the museum. Sure. But I can remember the... Um, the gold work on the staircases and the, the paint, the murals on the walls. And it was just, it's the opulence, I think. It's yeah. absolutely stunning and beautiful and good use of colour. Yeah. And it just, that in my head. Okay. And of course, having done A-level history, I'm guessing you went to the Hermitage when you were... Oh, we did. It was beautiful. And you're also thinking, this is where the Tsars were... When we when all that stuff that I was learning about in class was, um, yeah, it's quite. Some, I think that's the thing is I hadn't quite. I never thought of it that way because mm. it was another. It's an art gallery. It was sure. an art gallery. Yeah, trip. and but yeah, that's actually a really good point. But I think it because it was never framed like that mm. to us. Yeah, that this is where it happened, which I think is maybe in all the trying to corral teenagers. Yeah, just kind of the teachers couldn't, and our tour guides didn't think to do it but yeah it's yeah. like you knew that these were the places you know these were the palaces but yeah, just where they used. tie it together was missed a little bit yeah also we were exhausted <laughs> of course yes yeah. we did not sleep <laughs> but as not not as much as the teachers were <laughs> yeah no i mean i thought when i was just saying actually because i've been to the hermitage as well I didn't really make that connection with it afterwards but mm. yeah i didn't know whether just you know doing the the history lessons right, right at the time when you were visiting, whether that made any difference. But, no, yeah, apparently yeah. not. <laughs> but I think well, you, know. you don't have that tie. That I mean, sure. it's, had someone said, this is where it took place, Yeah, it makes it very strong. But when you sort of... It's the whole thing with schooling. It's just trying to ram as much information into your brain as possible and yeah. hoping something sticks. Sure, yeah. And that analytical thinking just doesn't tend to happen, I don't think. Yeah. Some people it does, but others <laughs> so busy trying to go. As much in as possible. Yeah. Oh well, no worries. But uh, onto the onto the sci-fi then. Mm. So I understand you've been into sci-fi for a long time. Is that right? Yes. I think my I have always, as far as I can recollect, read sci-fi books. But it's my mom loves sci-fi, and sort of put that joy of sci-fi into us and brought us up on sci-fi films and books and. They are what have always been easily accessible, I think, within our house. So it's, yeah, I'd be hard-pressed to tell you what my first sci-fi book was, because I haven't got a clue. It just kind of goes back that far. Yeah. The film-wise, the, like, sci-fi film that I have, like, the clearest memory of, and it's the film that I remember going to see, the earliest memory of watching films, um, was when they redid the Star Wars films. Oh, okay. When they re-released them, and my mum took me and my two sisters to go and watch are just being blown away with what I can't even remember which one it was but just that was amazing and I guess just like it happening at that sort of point seeing mm-hmm. it as that as I guess like in your early teens or that like was younger because it was in the 90s 
Uh, was it? So, yeah, shows shows how much I know. Because <laughs> I want to say it was about the turn of the millennium ish, but maybe slightly before. Um, it was further well, longer was ago than that. The remake of mm. or the re-release of the first three, and that was in the. I think I'm not 100 percent sure, but I'd say that was probably between sort of 94 to 96, 98. Oh wow! Yeah, because okay. that's when we were. That's where we would have seen within those years. We would yeah. have gone to that theatre that I have the distinct memory. Well, that cinema that I have the distinct memory of seeing it in. Yeah, okay. See, I would be super interested to see the original cuts of mm. Star Wars as people, the way that they looked when people saw them at the cinema originally. Um, and that actually will be a point that we come back to with this film, because this film, um, the version we're watching it in, um, is one that was revisited, oh. um, like, and sort of tweaked. Uh, mm-hmm. But we can talk about that um, a bit more. So, yeah, that must have been a really impressive experience. I haven't seen any of the old, you know, original yeah. Star Wars at the cinema. So that must be mind-blowing. I think it was a, it was formative. Like, it kind of laid the groundwork for interest in sci-fi. Because I remember being sat there and just that world-building and just being thrown into a completely different world. It must have been the first... Um, the first film that we saw, because in my head it's that beginning bit where they're in, where they go and pick him up. So it must have been the first one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That we watched A New Hope or Star Wars, depending on which terminology you prefer. Yeah, because <laughs> I know some people get super heated about whether it should be Star Wars or whether it should be A New Hope, because the New Hope was like the retrospective oh. title when it became a trilogy or whatever. God. I know plenty of people do. Uh, I don't pay enough attention yeah. to it. Really. And I don't have enough friends who are really sort of passionate about it to have the argument. So I've completely skipped over it. Well, maybe that's... Uh, I can see pluses and minuses to that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, in terms of people I'm friends with, mm. I guess some of them are much more into sci-fi and kind of comics and stuff than I am, but I know enough to kind of dabble in it, but not enough to really sort of take any passionate positions on anything. Um, um, but, uh, but yeah, so in terms of other other sci-fi films that you've you've seen, are you kind of like fairly eclectic or do you like more stuff that's in the mould of Star Wars or...? Um, I think because of how infrequently you get sci-fi films, well, up until recently, apparently, you're going by the the number that we have at the moment, I just sort of whatever, I watch whatever comes, pretty much. Yeah. Um, I think the most recent one that's currently lead for my favourite is Valerian, and that was just, it is a brilliantly, bizarrely sci-fi film. Yeah, uh, we actually uh, saw that uh, together in a in a big in a big group and um, so yeah I have Tegan to thank for that one. <laughs> I mean I enjoyed it but I kind of would compare it to being like put inside a giant kaleidoscope and then shaken for about two and a half hours. <laughs> Which is it's why when I sort of I was very careful about who I told because sure. I knew it wasn't going to be everyone's cup of tea. Um, and in fact I showed it to a couple of friends and they were like this is a very Tegan sci-fi film. And I was like, I know that it's not going to be up your alley. You're welcome to come if you want. But sure. Like, no, like, that was the caveat that came with everyone I spoke to. Yeah. Was, We're going. You're welcome. Do not feel like you have to. Yeah. Okay. It's, it, yeah. Well, it's Luc Besson, so it's 
Wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm guessing you've seen The Fifth Element there. Yes, loved that film. That was a good one. And I'm, I'm sorry. I was going to say, and Arrival's another one that I've seen recently that I absolutely loved. I I think I missed. Was that <gasps> a, was that Amy Adams? Yeah. How did you miss that? I didn't see it, but I sort of was aware that it was on. I I don't even really know what it's about. You have to watch it. Like you know, there are some films or there's some books where you you can't actually explain it to someone because if you do, you're going to spoil it. Gotcha. Because yeah, there's yeah. no way around it. But we have it on DVD, and I'll add it to you because it is. So very clever. And it, it's based on a short story, I think, by Ted Chang, or I'm maybe wrong. I can't remember who the author was. Um, and I've not yet gotten around to reading the short story. It's mm. on, I have it, and the collection is with all my other unread books ready yeah. to be read at some point in the future. Oh, cool. But yeah, that was fantastic and interesting. That was more of a an intellectual, interesting one than... Where Valerian was an absolute romp. Yeah, romp is a good is a good word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, we've got the sort of crazy everything at the screen end of things, and then the more like contemplative. We're in space and contemplating the meaning of life. Yeah. Type. Have you seen Moon? No. Oh. Um, my sister has seen that, and she yeah. raves about it. And I somehow caught the end of it. Oh yeah. On it must have been showing on like BBC or something, and I flipped on to see if I would enjoy watching it, and then just proceeded to watch the end. So yes, I probably would have enjoyed the whole thing. <laughs> um, yeah, but actually, I felt like it was one of those where, to me, it felt like it was doing a trope mm, that's okay. been done before, and I've read it multiple times before. Okay, I think that can be because I've spent so long immersed in sci-fi. You start seeing things come around, or you can then guess the ending of stuff, and it's not its not as ingenious or as clever as it might be raved that it is. Sure, yeah. Which, so some, like, sometimes the amazing, like, films, to me, aren't so amazing, but it's just because I've been inhaling sci-fi since I was 12, if not younger, and that kind of... Yeah, I mean, that, um, I, I really liked Moon, but that's... Quite possibly because I I dabble in sci-fi rather than you know mm. fully immerse myself, so I'm probably not as aware of uh, aware of the the tropes, I guess. Yeah. But I guess that's probably true with uh, with any any genre. I think so, and it's it's nice to see sci-fi, and it's nice to see like cleverly well thought out. They're clearly trying to tell you something with it, and that's one of the things that I enjoy about cleverly well thought out films. But I think. That is the risk when you've been immersed, you kind of stumble onto it. And it's one of the things I find quite frustrating is that if I can guess the end without much, um, without the need for much thought, you know, if it just automatically falls into my brain, I'm like, because I don't actively seek to find out what's going on. Sure. So if I've stumbled into it subconsciously and you're then like, I didn't even try and I got there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, if you just have a, a naturally analytical mind and you've watched a lot of things, you can start to see things. And yeah. Although hopefully, because we're watching a, a non-Hollywood, non-English language film, maybe we'll we'll be lucky and <laughs> it won't just be the, the same old thing. I mean, I know nothing about this film. The only reason we're watching it at all is it turned up on a Calvert journal, which is like a 
I guess you could say it's uh, National Geographic, but for the former Soviet Union, the for- former Eastern Bloc, and I think it, they do some stories on China or Mongolia and stuff. Ooh, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, they do a lot of like photo- photographic spreads and then like a you know, journalistic article alongside it. And it was just in a top seven or top ten films. So, yeah. Um, so that's that's how I know about it. So nobody's told me anything. So I just know that some people think that it's good. <laughs> Which is always yeah. interesting to see and to see what what's actually in the... That's the thing. When it's like a top seven or a top ten list is seeing what's in there and what who thought that it was good and why they thought it was good. And it's... I think when you've not heard of a sci-fi film and it's from a different culture, different, completely different co- country, actually being able to... It's new. There may be... The tropes may be the same, but the storytelling yeah. is usually different. So that should be yeah. fascinating. I'm looking forward to it. So the film is... Um, I don't know if I've even <laughs> said what the <laughs> film is. Um, there's, a, there's a variety of different titles out there. So the Russian uh, title is Cheris... Terni Kvizdam, which means through the thorns uh, to the stars. So it also has a Latin title per aspera and astra, I think it is. But for some reason, when you look it up on IMDb, the title comes up as being Humanoid Woman. Which just, <laughs> yeah. Which um, just, I guess, it just sounds very 50s B-movie or like 80s sort of straight-to-video or something. So, yeah. (laughs) Your mileage may vary. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. So, um, so yeah, I, I guess uh, we should, uh, we should start the film. Now, what we always do is we launch into the film. Uh, we say some Russian, and it's more appropriate than usual uh, this time, or more fitting with the film that we're watching anyway. It's Payekhali, is the word, and that is what Yuri Gagarin said as he was blasting off to be the first man in space. So as ah. I say, apt with our journey into the cosmos. So, Payekhali. That's pretty good. Yes! Huzzah! <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, one, two, three... watched Through the Thorns to the Stars and uh, Tegan before we get into the discussion of what we thought of it could you give us Tegan's just cracking up (laughs) (laughs) really sorry (laughs) that's that's fine Um, Tegan if you could have a go at doing a quick summary of uh, of the plot yes definitely so the reason I was cracking up was because the title is apt for like a description of the film that you watch because it feels like you go through a lot of information to get to the end bit, or a lot of things. In terms of a summary, basically a bunch of explorers find an abandoned spaceship, and they find a girl on the spaceship, 
and rescue her, but then there's a question as to whether she's a human or a robot or a humanoid or a robot. At some point they figure out she's a clone. I can't quite remember at what point that happened. And then she lives with her, the people, the humans who found her for a bit. And then she figures out where she's from and stows away on a ship to go back to her planet. And during all of this, she's had several flashbacks where she's remembered that her planet is on the brink of destruction and they need to save it. So she goes back to her planet and helps the humans save it and is nearly killed. And they save the planet. And then the humans go away. The end. The end. <laughs> With one or two more twists. Yes. There's some big twists. That was weird. So, general summary, <laughs> weird. Yeah, the one word summary, bit strange. That's two words. Two words, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, still with weird. <laughs> Yeah. 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 No, that was... I don't know. That was hard work. Yeah. Like, tracking it and keeping in your head what was going on and where we were now. It seemed that there were these transitions would happen. And if you weren't paying close enough attention, you had no idea how you got there and why you got there. And I think it may be because the... So the more Hollywood, like, short... Not shortcuts, but... Things that tell you that time has transitioned or yeah. that you've gotten somewhere are not there or are missing. So your frames of reference, or my frames of references even, aren't there that I would use to, that I guess Hollywood films would use to signal a change. Sure, yeah, yeah. And I wonder if that may have something to do with that. Yeah, it's sort of like you're, you know, some kind of ancient explorer or, you know, mariner and you're going across the sea and you look up and you're looking for the North Star and, oh... Rubbish. It's not there. <laughs> There's no North Star. Yeah. Where are we? Yeah. I mean, I found, you know, they always say that if you're to, to make a film, to do a good narrative, you need to show and not tell. Well, this, I can't criticise it by saying it was all tell and no show. It was kind of, they did do both. But some of it was just like, okay, we're going to show, but then you're going to have to sort of guess what that means. There's no tell. Yeah. See, I thought there was a lot of tell, though, and some of that was just really boring and dreary and hard to follow, but sometimes when it would have been useful, it's just like, nope, nope, not getting any explanation of why this just happened. Yeah, I think, like, there was one point that really struck me when she was taken outside for the first time on Earth, and there's a lack of talking and a lot of her looking. Yeah. And suddenly she's in the middle of flashbacks, but you yeah. don't know they're flashbacks. Or it takes a while to figure out that they're flashbacks. And then you're sort of, you must be, what, an hour later and she's destroyed the house and they've found that she... Yeah. And you see none of that, that that's happened, even, like, in short incremental bursts. So. Mm. Yeah, I can see what you mean. I mean, I... Once I, once I got, okay, these are flashbacks, it was all right. Um, and I did quite like that early scene of her going around the place and she's only known life in a like a really artificial environment. And so seeing all the trees and stuff, I mean, it was a little bit overdone, but it was kind of like, well, actually, maybe you would react like that if you were mm. seeing all of these things. If you'd never seen them before. Yeah. And I think that may be, that may be it, is that it was trying to show the innocence and naivety and 
excitement. But yeah, it just, it kind of felt that there's a lot of you seeing a he heck of a lot. And there's a lot of a story being told. Maybe it was too much in a story. And maybe it's more, that's something you may see in a novel. Because that kind of things happening would be more what I'd expect in a novel than in a yeah. film. And so maybe it would have been better as a two-part film. Almost. Yeah, yeah. And the thing I found was that the pacing was really weird because in the f it, it was sort of split into sort of two halves. Yeah. One was about an hour and then the second was an hour and 20 or something like that. And the first half was really slow. It was just <laughs> kind of, oh, and then this happens and it's just a lot of standing about. Mm. And then in the second half, it was a lot of that, for the first half of the second half, if that makes any sense, in, the, I guess, the third quarter-ish. And then in the last half an hour, is just, all these things are happening, we have to wrap up the plot, sort of. Yeah, I think I agree with that. I agree with you on that, in that that, that really captures it. Because it was just, it seemed to suddenly end up manic at the end. Like, yeah. they've been like, oh, we haven't got enough time, we need to do as much as possible in a short amount of time. Yeah. And maybe that spread out more and less time in the exploring and the... yeah yeah and the sort of ponderous yeah bits um in terms of specific scenes um was there anything from there that struck you as particularly memorable or interesting there's spaceships and the flicking through the different stars oh yeah so every time they came across it was that every time they came across a new ship and they'd flick through the different spaceships, and yeah. I thought that was really interesting that you were getting that visual of what was there and also the different types and just the creativity and the, well, we don't have to show you, but we can show you these images of what they'll look like. And I yeah. thought that was quite interesting and a nice way to build the world and sort of immerse you into it. Yeah, oh, absolutely. That was that was definitely a, a, cool, uh, a cool bit, I guess. We talked a little bit about the main character, Nia, I guess is how you yes. say her name. We were struggling with the version we watched. The audio was incredibly quiet and we don't have, like, we are watching it on a laptop so we didn't have, like, the ability to really boost the sound. So I think, I think it kind of suffered from that. But, um, yeah, what, what did you think of her as the central character? It was nice to have a film where you had a central female character. Little bits unfortunate that there weren't more female characters in there but I think they were doing that thing that you see often in this kind of book or film where you your main character is as naive as your audience so uh -huh. she as she learns you're learning and it's a way to tell the story and it just but what that meant is that she was incredibly innocent can you give an example of I think we know which, which example you might, we might both be thinking of. Well, yeah, you can go, like, Fifth Element is probably a very key, is one of the very obvious ones. Yeah. And I think where you then have a relationship dynamic developed yeah. between your main characters, which I, from my personal standpoint, I don't think is very good because of the power dynamics that sit in that kind of relationship. Sure, yeah, yeah. Where you didn't have that in this film. Yeah, there maybe was a little bit of it right at the beginning with um, Sergei, who was like the research scientist who said, no, we need to bring her home to my house. Oh, but they didn't do that, I guess, for all that long. I didn't read it as that. I yeah. just kind of read it as she's the 
if he's a research scientist, he's interested. Yeah. If she goes somewhere else, he's yeah. lost the science. Yeah. Um, so they didn't seem to be that relationship, romantic relationship. No, oh, things, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Which yeah. is not, which is in, they're heavily in Fifth Element, but you don't see it here. And I yeah. liked that you didn't see it yeah. at all. And I, there was a part of me that kept wondering whether it was gonna, like, right at the end, whether you were gonna get that, which yeah. would have been really quite creepy. It did look like it was going that way, as you say. You had uh, Sergei's son, who's, you know, supposed to be about, like, 19, 20, maybe early 20s, but he looks more like he's about 30. And he clearly has the hots for the, the lead. Although I'm not sure whether he did no? or not. I, there was part of me that kind of did wonder whether maybe, but then he'd be running around like a child. Yeah. It was odd that the relationships were odd. I don't know if there's a myth, like culturally there's a bit of a misinterpretation from my perspective. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think I think as much as anything, I just think that particular acting performance from him, from the son guy, was just weird. Oh, it was I, so mean, I don't know how much it was his acting and how much it was just he's written that way. It was him prancing, like it was like a child in an adult's body. Yeah, and I don't. Maybe it was because they needed, like, I don't know how long, like, time, like, what the time span is. Sure, and that maybe they needed someone to play very young. But at the beginning, he was right out of college. Yeah, or he just he was in his final year of university or whatever he's, yeah. he's learning to become a, an astronaut yeah um, but and he wasn't the only sort of bad acting in there you also meet uh the son's um girlfriend who's called selena okay <laughs> what was her role oh my gosh yes Sorry. No, just uh, just tell uh, for those who haven't seen it, Tegan, just to, to like describe her a little bit. It was like she was the worst form of like jealous girl, and yeah. like was nasty, and it was just it was poor lazy writing from my perspective. Mm-hmm. She's come in. She she had a reason to be there, and I can't remember what it was. Um, yeah, I don't really remember either. It's just we first meet her. And he he mentions he mentions her. I think we need to talk about this scene because it's sort of the elephant in the room. So weird. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So he, she, as in the girlfriend, is mentioned by the son whose name escapes me. Um, yeah. He he talks about uh, her, his ex girlfriend, as being like his the mistake of his youth or something. Yeah, his youthful indiscretion or something. Yeah, something like that. I missed the exact Russian phrase, but um, yeah, of course, Nia picks up on this and remembers it and then tells it to the, <laughs> uh, to Selena, who's the ex-girlfriend. But like, but, innocently tells her. Oh, so yeah, she's oh, like, absolutely. oh, what does this word, like, what does this sentence mean? Because no one is giving her an explanation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, Nia says... Yeah. Um, what, what is one of these? Because he said that what's that's what you were, and Selena's sort of hmm. Right, that's interesting. Um, but yeah, they meet on a beach because they've just gone to the beach for some reason. Yeah, and she's like somehow knew they were there yeah. and has decided to join them. Yeah, it's like hi. Yeah, 
Which is bizarre if she's come to the, like, family house to do a job. It was, I, oh, it was peculiar. I don't remember. It was, it was, it was a bit weird. And, and then, of course, there's this whole bit about, oh, won't you go in the water? And she's like, as in Nia, is, says, yeah. oh, I'm scared of it. And then she's not scared of it. And she just... <laughs> she just so she disrobes. Yeah. And gallivants into the water. <laughs> and to which both of them are just like kind of bemused. Were they even bemused? Because the way I read it was, it didn't even like shock them. No, they weren't shocked. They both just sort of said sort of slyly... This is like, inappropriate. This isn't appropriate. They're just like this. This isn't what we do. But you know, never mind. You'll learn. <laughs> and then off they wander. Yeah. And they're just like any other person. Like if that happened in reality, I don't think anyone's reaction to that. Someone would have gone and grabbed like clothes or something and been like, "Not appropriate. Put it back on." Either that or just being like, "Whoa, what are you doing?" Yeah. And they're a bit like that, but it was. It was. But it it was wasn't bizarre. even like the shot. It was just kind of. Oh, right. Yeah, She's... that's not appropriate. <laughs> yeah. And continue on the conversation. And you're just like... Yeah, yeah. It was It was, It was. was probably, like, the most bizarrely memorable mm. bit in it. That's peculiar. I think we had our second... There was a second flashback at that point. And I couldn't... I was still trying to figure out what was going... Like, in the first flashback, you mm. see someone... It's raining, and someone's clothes are kind of coming off in the rain. And so I was like... Okay, we can. I'd assume that's got something to do with acid rain. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And then the second flashback was she f- was looking into the water, and then you flash to water with pipes funneling stuff in. Yeah, like polluting. Yeah, but no, still no real like. All of these are sort of float in space in terms of like. Yeah. They, they're not tied to anything, which I think makes it difficult because it's like a bit of story and it does all by the end you've figured out what's going on but i'm not sure it was the best like storytelling technique yeah it's interesting because when you describe it it sounds like that seems like it would be good you know like foreshadowing things and stuff it was just i don't know there was enough sort of unevenness and sort of weirdness of Mm. tone that it just i mean yeah in terms of the tone thing so most of mostly it was super super serious, mm. um, and just quite deadpan. But then just really funny, silly things would happen. Like you had in this universe, humans have made contact with alien civilizations, most of which <laughs> are humanoid. But you get like this one that's this sort of weird fish octopus guy, and when he's on Earth, he has to live in a tank. So you have this whole like little subplot about how he's being transported back to his home planet and you have to be nice to him because he takes offence easily. <laughs> and then this cat comes in when um, Sergei's son, is, who's now an intern or like trainee on the spaceship, like leaves the door open. So, so then the cat <laughs> terrorises this alien guy. It's like, oh, you let a predator in. It was trying to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> this is not uh, how I expect to be treated. <laughs> and then it steals the cat, steals chewing gum for some reason. Yeah. But it was the comment about, like, the door is now being kept locked so the predator can't come in. And someone's knocked on the door and Sergei's son goes, 
is like, oh, someone's at the door. And then the alien goes, oh, it's the predator. Don't let the predator in. And it, Sergei's son is like, oh, cats don't knock. It's <laughs> <laughs> like... <laughs> That's a great bit of a joke, but like it's the one joke in everything else. Like, yeah, it was it was super super weird. It was long and rambly. The interesting thing when you then get to the planet, eventually after two detours, despite yeah. the fact that this planet is apparently about to be destroyed, yeah, um, is that it's completely destroyed, but it's the people on the planet have destroyed it. And I thought what was really interesting is that they're showing you this planet where pollution has effectively destroyed the planet. Yeah. But why choose, and I can assume what the answer to that would be, why choose for to show a planet as completely destroyed by pollution rather than Earth? Yeah, I guess it's... Well, what was your theory before I venture mine? It's the whole, it's the whole science fiction forward thinking you make the planet the problem yeah. and then you draw the analogies but I think at the moment a lot of the sci-fi that we watch or that I watch and the books that I read Earth is being destroyed yeah. it has been destroyed as, and it's sort of we're looking forward in our Earth and I wonder if I know that there has been a change in the last sort of decade or two to that more pessimistic view of yeah. Earth whereas it used to be that there was this more positive view of where Earth would end up and it was other planets and that's how we told the story was if you keep going down this road, you may end up like this other planet. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So, I, I totally take your point about dystopian things are more... <laughs> that's the word. <laughs> yeah, well, this was, yeah, it was, um, was utopian and the humans are like humans in Star Trek. It's like we mm. have solved the vast majority of our problems here and so then we can go and help other people in a sort of slightly <laughs> patronising, quasi-imperialistic way. That was that was the thing for me. I mean, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I felt slightly that because this was the product of the Soviet Union, you particularly have the thing with the with the alien planet. The problem there has been caused by this sort of industrialist guy who's sort of somehow monopolizing all the air and really the planet doesn't need to be like that but he's just exploiting things for his own financial gain i don't know whether that was something yeah. that came across to you as well it was when they were talking about selling fresh air yeah and i was like ooh, interesting but also juxtaposed next to the guy who developed the clones and him saying we all ne we need to sacrifice for the good of the planet and yeah. the people on the planet, and that kind of seemed to be the slightly more communist style bent in yeah. juxtaposition to your industrialists who've clearly destroyed. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you could say it's quite um, ambivalent about science. On the one hand, there there are lots of solutions. Mm. That it like you have a thing where basically they use some kind of weird vac vacuum cleaner and suck up all the planet's pollution. It's like, oh well, that was an easy fix. It had something to do with plasma. I don't know. I <laughs> <laughs> but it was just like, oh, we switched this machine on and it's all fixed. And we solved Yay. it. And the rain and the rain's now clear and the sky's now blue. And everyone's dancing around. 
in a not very good acting way. Yeah, and then you go to the end where you then effectively, you've got, what did they call it? It was a biomass. Biomass, which looked like what I would call primordial ooze. Yeah, Um, yeah. And then it was that weird, like, psychic, meldy, I don't know what trip into their heads. And then they've somehow managed to plant loads of plants on Earth and they're all growing. But the, the humans helped her? How did the humans have the psychic capab- psychic for lack of a better term yeah. capabilities? Uh, I I don't know. <laughs> At that point, I was just going. I want this to be over. <laughs> it was that last bit, and I was like, mm, "Yes, you've done all the things to make this a weird sci-fi film." So I think we've been fairly scathing about this film so far. Um, but was there anything about it that you liked? Um, I like that you had a female lead. Hmm. That was really nice. Um, I liked that it didn't end up being a romance story. There was very much a save the planet without the need for the romance, which was very nice. Um, And I do think there should be more films like that. But it was strange. It was a strange film. We talked about this a little bit in the intro, Mm. and we've sort of touched on it already, but how tropey did you find it? You mentioned the thing about mm. seeing things through the eyes of a sort of innocent character who's learning about the world. But besides that, was there anything else that you just went, uh, seen this before? Not really. So, hey, that's good. <laughs> yeah, which is fantastic. And I think that's the thing is... And I do wonder if it's because we have very different tropes that, that you see throughout Western sort of English sci-fi. And so if you're watching more international sci-fi sci-fi from different cultures different countries you won't get those tropes you'll get more their tropes or their ways of telling stories and i think maybe that is the thing to do now is for me is to read stories from other cultures from other um from authors from those countries and cultures but it just oh man yeah no real tropes nothing that i you hit the point where you're like Oh my gosh, again. Yeah. Oh, it's made it to this as well. Yeah. Yeah, which is funny, because I, I mean, to speak for myself, but I was quite glad when it was over, but I was bored because it was slow-paced, which I don't like to think that about me as a film watcher. I like to think, like, I can handle some drawn-out stuff. I mean, drawn-out's the wrong word. I mean... Do you know what? It's the quiet points Hmm. but i think the quiet points weren't done well and i i feel bad saying that but it's because what's just struck me is arrival is very quiet and there's a lot of you walk out of that film and you just kind of feel at peace it's bizarre you don't feel wound up or anything but there's a lot of quiet throughout the film but there's still enough in there that it kept you hooked it kept you engaged you didn't have time or reasons to drop out of the film. And that was missing from this. And yeah. I don't know why. No, I know what you mean. Because recently I watched a couple of Tarkovsky films. Solaris and and also also Stalker. And both of them, you couldn't exactly call them roller coaster rides. But somehow, as you say, they did the sort of slower paced and the Maybe peaceful is the wrong word in those cases, mm. but there was something about it where it was still, as you as you say, compelling or like hooking your interest in. I mean, not 
absolutely throughout, but there was still stuff there, you know. But still enough to keep you engaged. It's yeah. really, yeah. I guess, particularly as we were watching um, a sci-fi film from quite a long time ago, over 30 years, it, we, should all, we should mention the visuals. How do you feel like they held up? In terms of the fashion and, like, from the hair stuff, yes. I was like, oh, we're very in the 80s. Um, and the scenery, in ter- when they're on Earth, like, the they're at a spaceport. Oh, which yeah. I assume is an airport. And it's very, yeah. like, of that time. But actually, in ter- once you're... They do a trip to an archaeological dig, I think, on Earth. And that, the, like, for that... Because I think... They're so timeless. Yeah. And in fact, the fashion in those situations is so timeless because it's always the same. Yeah. Um, didn't feel too old. And what was on the planet as well didn't, like, didn't feel too bad. Like, there were some bits where I was like, clearly that's... Um, they were like structures that were clearly big piping, concrete yeah. pipes made to look like... Pillars or whatever. Yeah. 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 I agree. I thought the sets, for the most part, with the exception of that airport, did look really, really cool. And they didn't look too much like, you know, if you just accidentally leaned on them, they would collapse in, which is sometimes the point. All the buttons and stuff on the, like, the dashboards mm. of the spaceship did look quite old, but they still looked cool. They looked like they might work. Uh, they look like buttons. I think that's yeah. the thing, is you kind of, you look at that, and for the most, like, in terms of cockpit cockpit design from most people's perspectives it's still all those buttons yeah we're not up to touchscreens i think if we get to the point where touchscreens are universal throughout cockpit design and that kind of thing then we may get to that but you can't do that yet because of the vibration and it means there's a lack of control oh okay so that may be why it does it reflects what we still have today so they're not they won't look like old tech sure I'd, I'd never thought of that before. <laughs> this is where my work comes yeah. in handy because a lot of the... So I work within aerospace and we'll see bits of cockpits or cockpit design. Um, and also, I know why we don't have touchscreens and that it's gotcha. to do with the yeah. vibration and not being able to control. Right, yeah. You don't want it to just... <laughs> the screen the vibrated, so uh, now we're into a nosedive. Oh dear! What fun! It looked shiny. <laughs> yeah, looks so good. Functionality not so great. Yeah, yeah. Because when you see newer sci-fi, like I mean, not newer. Because if we're talking about the one I was going to think of, Minority Report. Oh man, that's not new anymore. No, it's like fifteen years old. <gasps> but yeah. I remember seeing that at the cinema and having just like the wow factor because. Mm. At that point, touchscreens were sort of, I think, were starting to come in. But, like, in that film, everything is kind of like you pull it around and, you know, nothing's buttons. It's all the buttons. AR yeah. stuff, isn't it? I've yeah. forgotten about that. To name a cool sci-fi film, in terms of sci-fi films that I like, I need to go back and revisit that. Was that was a good one. Yeah. You know, even even though it's Tom Cruise and he's... Well, I don't know, that's mean about Tom Cruise. He's, he's... You don't like him either? <laughs> <laughs> I think I think we're in fairly good company. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. I was at brunch a couple of weekends ago with friends, and I mentioned I didn't like him, and boy, did I get roasted. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. There were some real fans, but they are fans of Mission Impossible. Oh, gotcha. And they assumed my lack of Tom Cruise 
reflected a my lack of liking Tom Cruise reflected a lack of liking the Mission Impossible films. Yeah, which is also allowed. I mean, yes, I quite like them. They're yeah. they're just like gallivanty films. Yeah, I get yeah, yeah. bored with violence when it's just gone on too long, and you're like, great, sure. another ten minute fight scene. Yeah, could be telling story. That was that was interesting with this actually, like the lack of violence mm-hmm. for most of it. Yeah, which was really yeah, I'm astounded because yeah, the films of that time or the films that I think of from around that time were fairly violent in terms of the ones coming out of Hollywood. Mm. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, with Star Wars, for example, you don't mm. think of that as being, or, or at least I don't think of that as being a violent film in the t- sense of, like, people, like, just being hacked in half. And so, like, you know, like, there's no gore, but it's lots of, like, gunfights and dogfights yeah. and stuff. And there really isn't all that much of this. You have, um, you know, some shooting, and somebody gets stabbed at the end, but you're quite surprised when it happens. Yeah, the stabbing was a bit like... Whoa! Yeah, the, for the vi- and you could kind of see a little bit of the violence ramping, and that you had um, sabotage going on, and so maybe. But oh, and the gun! There was a gunfight, but they were trying to shoot the main character. Yes, and she does like a, a Matrix bullet dodge, except yeah. like the nineteen eighty one version of that, which is not very good. <laughs> oh, uh, technology is a good thing. Yeah, but. I mean, considering, you know, all that said, I feel like visually it stands up surprisingly well. Like, as I as I mentioned, I think, in the first half, I did read somewhere that they did, or, or the son of the director, whose name I should have written down but have not, sorry, I think it's Viktorov, but his son, um, like, revisited it and chopped 20 minutes out and ah. apparently cleaned up the visual effects. So, you know, we're still watching, like, 15-year-old visual effects okay so maybe if we watched an older print or something um then yeah maybe we'd have been more like oh that doesn't look good but oh, so we were we were watching the newer one yeah like oh i mean it's 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 still the original film mm. but just you know yeah. they've tweaked the i guess some of the space stuff i would imagine but mm. i don't know what they did but i i guess it's sort of analogous to what george lucas did with the um, with Star Wars, uh, the original trilogy, the re-release. Yeah. Oh. But I was wondering what would like what fifteen minutes he could have taken out of this film. Yeah. But actually, another fifteen minutes added in. <laughs> it would have been painful. Mm. And also, supposedly, the reason they that, that was taken out was that it was too dripping with Soviet ideology. So oh. yeah, or at least that's that's the short like explanation that was in the Calvert article and already I felt like it was a bit communist propaganda e so on the one hand part of me feels like I would have I would have wanted to see the film how it was originally intended to be but I don't know how much of that was the director's intention or how much of that was the authorities the bosses saying yeah so in order to get this film made you need to you know amp up the communist e Mm, so, I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. So, yeah. So on the one hand, yeah, it would be nice to see things as they were originally intended. But on the other hand, if he didn't want that in in the first place, which I don't know, maybe we're better off without it. Certainly, I'm glad it wasn't any longer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I was already thinking of 15 minutes you could take out of this. The yeah. thought of adding 15 more minutes in. On. 
oh my gosh, just because it was so slow already to begin with. Yeah, yeah. And if it was dripping with communist propaganda, I'm guessing it's more people talking because it's not necessarily going to be action stuff. Anyway. I guess you get to the point where you'd feel like you were being hit with a sledgehammer to your head. With a sledgehammer? Or with a sledgehammer and a sickle? Ah, nicely done. Yeah, that's actually... uh, From the the podcast I was on the other day, uh, the host made basically the exact same joke, so I can't really take credit. But, uh, yeah, anyway. So I think think that sort of rounds things, things up for this episode. Yeah. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, thanks for coming on. It's, it's it's really nice to get someone who just knows more about sci-fi than me and can kind of bring that to bear on the discussion. It's, it's been really good. And um, thank you for... Because I never would have watched this. Because I stay very English, sort of mainstream-ish sci-fi. So it's nice to actually watch something that's not. And to be like, to be reminded that there is other stuff out there. You've just got to read the subtitles. <laughs> yeah, although on, on the basis of this episode, it's not exactly an, an advert for stepping outside of one's comfort zone. Yeah. But, hey. but it was still, it's good to do, and I think that's been the thing, is it's good to do. It wasn't the best film. I think all you did get to the end, and I was a bit like, okay, great, what have we just watched? But actually, a film that makes you think can only be a good thing, I think. Oh, absolutely. And the ideas on paper, mm. there were some really cool things in. Mm. It was just would have been nice if it was in a slightly smaller package. Yes. Well, a better edited, I think. Yeah. Could have been tighter. Could have been tighter. Yeah. That's the takeaway from this, I yes. feel. <laughs> yes. Thank you for introducing me to it. Yeah. I hope you'll come on again and Definitely. yeah, try and watch something with a little bit more zip. <laughs> Excellent. Sounds like a plan. Good luck finding it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably won't be Tarkovsky. <laughs> okay, well, thanks everyone for listening and Dasvidanya. Dasvidanya. So that's it for this episode, but before I go, I'd like to thank Sasha Ilukovic and the Highly Skilled Migrants for the use of their song Cold in our intro. You can find that song and the rest of their back catalogue on Bandcamp and Spotify. If you're enjoying the show, please consider supporting us by leaving a rating at Apple Podcasts or at podchaser.com. That second one, Podchaser, even lets you rate individual episodes, so if this episode particularly stood out to you, you can let other listeners know that you enjoyed it. Recommending the show on social media is hugely helpful as well. If you can spare a moment or two to do that, it would really make my day. Thank you, thank you very much. Speaking of social media... Please find us and say hi on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. You can also drop us a line at roosfilesunite at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening, take care of yourselves, and bye for now.